Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today at the end of the episode, I will play a short story from Twisted Reunion. That story is When It Rains. I wrote that back when I lived in South Carolina. Interesting story. I just picked it this week because it rained like crazy in California. We really needed the rain. Caused a lot of destruction, made traffic terrible. Got me super pissed off, I think, on Monday. It took 20 minutes to get out of my daughter's parking lot after I dropped her off at school just because of asshole parents. I wanted to go on a rant about that earlier in the week, but then I realized, no, man, who am I to judge? Whatever, I just got to deal with it. People want to be inconsiderate. That's on them. So I thought instead I should just send out a thank you to all the parents that do follow the instructions. Like if everyone did what they were supposed to and weren't being selfish and inconsiderate, Things would move so much smoother. There wouldn't be any worry about kids getting hit, all that kind of stuff. But we have all these parents that just want to be like, oh, me first. I don't care if there's a line here. I'm just going to go this way. And how is that ever going to change? Because that's just what they showed their kids. I'm going to keep this positive. I don't want it to be a bitch fest, even though I'm up early in the morning and I haven't smoked weed. That a big realization. Well, I shouldn't say I had a big realization that I smoked a lot of weed. But over the last month, Definitely a lot of stress on the holidays, family shit going on. Haven't been working out. My cannabis use had increased a lot. Typically, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty heavy to start with. But over vacation, like I was, you know, first thing in the morning, I think like just a rough estimate would be about 14, 15 times a day that I was getting high. So that is ridiculous. That is unnecessary. I was like, there's no point. Like, yeah, I... I enjoy cannabis, but there was no reason to be doing it like that. I don't need it for work. I don't need it for dealing with stuff. So it just made me think about, okay, why am I doing it? I want to back off. And so made that decision. I forget what day it was. It might've been Wednesday. So I told myself, I was like, okay, let's start with, you know, three times a day or definitely, definitely right before going to sleep. Let's see when I feel like I really need it. I don't want to be so irritable that I just ruin everything around my family. Yesterday I smoked maybe around three o'clock. I realized it was too much. I was pretty high for my conversation with Pat, which I'm going to talk about later, which was awesome. But yeah, so maybe like two to three times. So I'm happy with that. That is doable. I might even reduce it. Might even take off a couple of days. I'm supposed to be taking off days according to my former doctor, you know, seven days. She wanted me to take off seven days a row every month. So one week a month, I haven't done that in a long time, but maybe I will because yeah, the last couple of days have been awesome. I feel good. I don't feel like I miss anything and I'm more focused. So that's been good. As far as writing, got a lot done. Made a lot of progress on Death Fest. Glenn only has the final two chapters to look over. While he's doing that, I have 10 last death scenes. Made some good progress on a couple of the ones that I had no idea of what I was going to write about, what we were going to write about. But we knocked those out. I think they came out pretty, pretty decent. I want this to be my final week of like full on work on the book. And then I finally get to move on to Ghostland. But the cool thing, whenever I have to wait on a project like that, it means that I'm just ready to go as soon as I'm released on it. So as soon as I get hold of Ghostland, I'm just tearing into it. I already have all my notes. I already have all of Duncan's notes. I have my notes. Knock out those death scenes, finish up the main story, and get that thing out as well. So that is cool. I don't know if we will do that one on Bella. I'm guessing we will not. I don't even know if I'm going to do Death Fest on Bella. I am running ads to my Bella stories now because we have Wild West on there. Trying to die in the Wild West. 
and back at grandma's house. I don't know if Bella is going to be a great place for these books. We'll see. It seems like it's mostly romance, a little bit of a lot of fantasy, and then sci-fi. And all of them seem to have romance. So it's just a whole bunch of smut. So I'm not sure if I will find my right readers for that. But I'm trying. We'll see. I will do the month long on it. And if it seems to be doing well, if it picks up speed, if it looks like it's a good way to release stuff, I will do that. But otherwise, I'll just put it out on a Kindle, get paperbacks out, and but exciting stuff. So Death Fest and Ghostland will be out later this year. Some kind of platform, for sure, paperback and Kindle. What else do we have? And then, yeah, I'm not sure what else is going to land this year. There's a lot, though. I, yesterday, I was talking with my friend Pat. He was I was his mentor for HWA. Awesome writer. He didn't need me. I just gave him advice. Some confidence building type stuff. But I really, really enjoyed his writing. That's why I stayed on, just so we can go back and forth on stories. I think I mentioned last week or two weeks ago that he did me a huge favor by reading Back at Grandma's House. Had some great advice. We'd been meaning to do a contract. I have him set up to write some short stories and try not to die short story. But today we are signing the contract for a full length Try Not to Die. Pretty excited about it. I know it's going to be great. I really enjoy his writing, so it'll be a lot of fun to work with him. Don't know when that will be. He tends to write fast, but he also has a lot of other stuff he's working on. So, And I kept telling him there is no rush. I have all these other books. So, But what I tell my authors, as soon as you get yours done, then we'll just put it into the rotation and all that good stuff. There's more that goes into it, but that's all you really need to know right now. It has felt really good to get back into exercising. So that's definitely helped a ton with my mood. I know I kept saying on the last couple of weeks, I was like, ah, I haven't been doing much, but it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Well, finally, it wasn't okay anymore. So I had to change shit. So I've been forcing myself. The first day I did it on my own was kind of tough. Usually I don't have a problem doing a yoga video, but 20 minutes in, I was like, fuck this. And then, but then I started doing some tonal and the next day I did full 45 minute session and then the day after that another one plus tonal plus started doing oculus there's a, i forget the name of it it's a boxing workout full body workout i think it's les mills body combat or something so i finally tried that out that's a lot of fun i did it with my son he loved it so it's pretty awesome good instruction it, you're boxing you're throwing knees a great workout i tried to film it on the other day but my son was in the background without me knowing twerking. So I'm not going to share that video. And more importantly, I look like dog shit. In my mind, I looked awesome. I was like, yeah, 50. I'm feeling good. Throwing punches. And when I watched the video, I was like, God damn, it's so slow. Out of shape. Breathing heavy. No one needs to see that. But I will keep at it. Definitely feeling good. And another reason why I'm doing it is mid-February. I don't have the exact date yet. But 10th Planet Whittier is opening. The lease has been signed. I had nothing to do with this signing of the lease. I just know it was signed and that it is going to open. That's under the Black Belt Mike Wilson. Definitely check it out. You can find him on Instagram, 10th Planet Whittier. And I think he's already got pre-sale going up. I plan on doing something down there. Maybe we'll record a podcast down there as soon as all the mats are in and that kind of stuff. I'm excited about it for my family and for the community. I saw what 10th Planet Youth Center, which was in Whittier, did for the community in unlocking a cage where I went around to all these gyms, I saw what mixed martial arts did for people. That's really why I wanted another one opening up in Whittier. Now, whether or not I get to train, we'll see. See how my body does. I plan on it. I think it's a ton of fun. Even if it was simply me working with my kids and helping them train, that would be cool too. So that is happening next month. So I need to get my ass in shape. 
but that's great. That's all I need. A little bit of motivation, right? Don't want to completely get murdered on the mat. Nothing better than that for motivation. Ooh, speaking of unlocking the cage, yesterday I put all my unlocking the cage rash guard for a video I did on the TikTok for unlocking the cage because it is free. So the Kindle version is free through the 16th. Check that out if you're into MMA or if you think MMA sucks and is crazy and you don't get why anyone would do it. It's another good reason to read the book. Or if you just want to see how screwed up I was and how many times I got my ass kicked over the course of my career. And then TBI or CTE will make a lot more sense to you. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that dude did jack himself up pretty good. No wonder his brain's a mess. But pick that shit up on Amazon. If you've already read it, tell your friends. The more people that read it, the better. That's what I'm trying to do, people. So I want to put stuff out for free. I want everyone to read it. I want them to tell their friends. I want their friends to read it. And then tell their friends. And then tell their friends. And then tell their friends. So that's the game plan. Please help me with said game plan. I would appreciate it. The other book that is free is SHT oder CTE. Was zum Teufel stimmt nicht mit mir? That's right. The German version TBI or CTE is up. That one. Yeah, I put up a video for that yesterday. It took me a little while to record it. My German is not great, but I have proof I'm still hanging on. On Duolingo, I am first place. I haven't checked this morning. I should still be in first place in the Diamond League, which is the top league, unless Cat caught me, but I don't think so. I was like, this week, I'm going to take first. I'm finally take first in this. Not that it matters, but... It's just a little more motivation to do what I'm enjoying. I know learning languages is good for my brain, so that's why I'm messing around with it. Also, I had an interesting conversation with my daughter this week. There was one night where she was really sad about not really having any culture. You know, most of her friends have traditions and cultures, and we just don't have a lot. And I was telling her, I was like, I think that's one reason why I have been learning German, why I'm very interested in the country and the history. It's like, there's a little bit of connection. One of my grandfathers was German. So it's like, that's kind of why I probably went into it. Last week, I mentioned quickly how much therapy it helped me. Like the, the initial therapy of going uh, when I lived in Vegas, probably in my 20s. And the guy told me I was a perfectionist. So that made a huge difference in my life. That's why I started looking for the word should. I would reevaluate that question. Anytime I heard myself use the word should, I would say, do I have to do this? Do I need to do this? Do I want to do this? Like what word is there? You know, what, what's the right word that I'm looking for? Because should, there are very few things that you should do, right? Unless like wipe your ass after taking a shit. That you should do that, please. Or use a bidet, whatever. So that therapy helped me a ton. But I didn't talk about all the therapy that helped me in when I was going through TBI or CTE. And after that, it did marriage counseling on top of that because man, life gets hard. So I tell people all the time, go to therapy. I probably am going to go. It's tough. At the start of the week, before I had my like big realization, and realized I was smoking all the weed and just way, way, way too stressed out. I wrote down, I was like, okay. Let's find a therapist. Let's go back to therapy. Then I realized I could just go back to the therapist that I talked to in TBI or CTE. He already has a really good understanding of who I am, what my issues are. He'll be able to evaluate me from where I was when he last saw me to where I am now. So I think that's probably what I'm going to do. I have that written down. I just need to make the appointment. So 
But again, there's absolutely no shame in saying, yeah, I'm going to go talk to a therapist. I want to learn some new coping techniques. I realize I'm not dealing with stress in the manner that I want to. So I got to figure out some shit. Now, I could do it on my own. And after I was working out with George again and, and feeling better, I was like, oh, I don't need it. You know, I was going to say, I don't need to go talk to someone. I got my buddy now. I could do my lifting. I, I'm good. It's like, but those issues are still there. So and even with jujitsu, I think that happens a lot too, or mixed martial arts. You forget about your problems. You're so fucking tired. It's awesome to go to these things, but it's, you're not dealing with what's really happening, you know, what the real issue is. So that's one reason why I think I will still be going. I will let you guys know if I do, I will not share my conversations with him unless there's something super funny, but I will keep you guys informed on my mental health status. All right, guys, it is early in the morning, and I still need to edit this, put it up, write a newsletter, take my daughter to school, and then write 10 death scenes for Death Fest. Should be an awesome day. I hope you guys have an incredible one as well. Let's go out on this story from Twisted Reunion. This is When It Rains, narrated by T. Quillen. Hope you guys have an amazing week, and I will talk to you later. When it rains. Dell followed his boss and two co-workers onto the covered balcony of the second floor and took the chair next to Taylor. It was the seat closest to the kitchen. If they wanted to get wet, that was fine with Dell, but he was staying by the door. This wasn't just a mild September shower, a little thunderstorm. On a night like this, there was no telling how much rain the town was going to get. Lightning flashed, illuminated the entire property. Holy crap, Martin said with his heavy Swiss accent. He pointed toward the rushing river some twenty yards away down the grassy slope. You see that water? Look at that. Amazing, no? Dell stretched his back, looked at the overflowing river, but kept his comments to himself. The torrential rains had transformed the usually quiet creek, upsetting the balance of things. Martin clearly wanted someone to agree with him, tell him it was a beautiful sight, but Dell figured he'd leave that to the other ass-kissers who'd say the grass was orange and pumpkins were green if their boss said it was so. Martin must have noticed Dell's indifference, because he was quick to ask, Does this happen all the time? The crazy weather like this? Taylor took a swig of his fruity drink. He looked like a clown with his flashy jewelry and trendy clothes. Maybe he fit in Hollywood, but if he ever ordered that in one of the local bars, he'd be laughed out of town. Taylor wiped his mouth and asked Dell, Yeah, what the hell's up with this place? It was nice as shit earlier today, all warm and sunny like L.A. Dell was tempted to mention the gray clouds that had been on the horizon all afternoon, but thought better of it. Instead, he took a chug of his Bud Light and said, The only difference was the lack of smog, huh? Remember just last week you couldn't stop raving about how great the clean air was? Taylor didn't look away from the storm. Yeah, too bad the frickin' pollen counts sky high. I've never sneezed so much in my life. Seriously, Del, Martin asked in his slightly mixed-up English. The weather gets horrible all the time, no? Yes? Over in Ashford and sometimes in heaven, they get downpours like this.
but not so much down here. Every once in a while, it'll come down real hard like this, but, but it's usually just quick showers. Billy, who'd been unusually quiet most of the night, chuckled and polished off the rest of his Jack and Coke. Heaven. I can't believe you guys called a town heaven. He hawked a wad of phlegm into his empty plastic cup and tossed it onto the floor a few inches from Taylor's feet. There's a goddamn church on every corner and one in between them. And what the hell's up with not being able to get booze on Sundays? Taylor asked. Yeah, I thought the whole wine-being-blood bullshit made alcohol okay, Billy said, disgust dripping like the raindrops falling off the railing. Another lightning bolt lit up the sky. Dell inched his chair toward the kitchen just in case the next one found its way onto the balcony. People out here like to pray. Most of them got good reasons. Instead of letting it go, Billy continued. The whole God thing's bullshit, if you ask me. Martin said, Maybe you shouldn't be so quick to say such things. Who do you think makes the rain? Billy pushed out of his seat and headed toward Dell, who scooted his chair out of the way as the muscle-bound bully stomped into the kitchen, mumbling under his breath. Taylor took a sip of his drink. What the fuck's that guy's problem? Was he never an altar boy? Martin asked, seemingly surprised when everyone burst into laughter. Billy stumbled back onto the balcony, a fresh drink in his hand. What the hell's so funny? It was nothing, Taylor said. Just chill. This shit's miserable. You know how dirty the Escalade's gonna be tomorrow. We live on a goddamn dirt road. Another burst of lightning exploded above them. Taylor pointed to the driveway below. You might want to move it, Billy. If the water keeps rising, you're going to need to get it detailed. I mean, your rims are going to be a mess. Billy pulled the keys from his pocket and turned to Dell. Go throw it in the garage for me. I'm not going out there. Were you afraid of a little rain? No, I'm just not going out there. Come on. Billy took another drink. Earn your keep, man. You don't pay rent. Yeah, and neither do you. Plus, I'm only here during the week. What if I turn on the outside lights for you? Maybe Taylor can hold your hand. Dell wanted to tell Billy where he could go. Instead, he shook his head and sat back, stared out into the darkness. Billy stuffed the keys back into his pocket. Fine. No big deal. He told the group, although his tone said it was. I can afford to get it washed. The storm picked up. The rain slapping against the side of the house. Martin got out of his chair and asked everyone to scoot over. For someone who claimed to be an outdoorsman, he sure didn't like to get wet. It ain't gonna melt you none, Taylor said before quickly changing the subject. So guys, he said, are we gonna head out or what? I need to get laid. You want to go now? Dell asked. Taylor said, Hell yeah. Tonight's college night down at Frank's. The chicks can't hold their booze. There's nothing going on down anywhere, Dell said. Not in this weather. Stop being such a pussy, Billy said. You go ahead and go out there. I ain't going. Billy finished his drink and dropped his empty cup next to the first one. 
The storm will be over in ten minutes. I bet my house it won't. Shit. It ain't a house, Dell, if you can drive it over here and drop it off in my driveway. Taylor snickered and then quickly told Billy, That's not funny, dude. You laughed. I was thinking about something else. Don't pay any attention to him, Dell. Dell cracked his thumb, pictured the gun in his nightstand drawer. I never do. Billy leaned forward in his chair and turned toward Dell. What's your problem with me, country boy? You jealous, or what? Dell was afraid of what he might say if he opened his mouth. Martin attempted to break the tension and suggested, Now, now, fellas. Let's be quiet and enjoy this. I'm going to head in, Dell said as he rose from his chair. Got to get up early. He reached for the kitchen door and was turning the knob when lightning flashed. Taylor yelled and nearly fell out of his chair. What's your problem, Taylor? Billy asked. Did you guys see that? Taylor stammered, pointing toward the river. Holy shit, did you see it? See what? Billy asked, sounding bored. Look, look, down there in the shadows. Dell peered into the darkness. He couldn't see anything, but he was afraid he knew what Taylor had seen. Straining to keep the fear from his voice, he asked, What did it look like? Leave the little girl alone, Billy said. He got spooked by a deer or some shit. Taylor got to his feet and backed into the wall. That was no deer. Keep looking down there. I'm not fucking around. Something's out there. Martin was starting to say that he couldn't see anything when lightning struck again. No one said a word, but they all saw it. Billy got closer to the edge of the balcony and stared into the black of the backyard. Martin turned to Dell and asked him what in the hell that thing was. A lurker, Dell said. Suddenly Dell became the center of attention. Bombarded with questions, Dell tried to explain without sounding scared. I've never seen one before, but that's what it's got to be. You knew about these things? Billy shouted. I told you these things were here, but y'all didn't listen to me. Never do. Martin nearly shrieked. What do we do? Who do we call? It's all right, Dell said, trying to calm everyone down, including himself. Just leave it alone, and it'll leave us alone. Let's go inside. I don't think it likes to be watched. Billy returned to his chair. Screw that. I'm going to sit right here and watch where it goes. I'm not letting it sneak around until it finds a way in the house. Hell no, I'm not. Martin ran into the kitchen to get the phone. Dell told the other two, I said you guys were crazy for living close to the river. No one with any sense has a house near the river. Electricity ripped through the darkness. The yellowish creature, looking like a man-sized lump of Play-Doh covered in mud and algae, slowly climbed the embankment, the rising river at its feet. It's getting closer, Taylor shouted. You didn't say shit about those things. I said there were probably lurkers in the river. That's why I said not to go down there. I thought it meant a fucking raccoon or skunk or some shit. Yeah, Billy agreed. 
or some crazy fish thing. Martin ran back out onto the balcony, cell phone in his hand. No signal. Everyone else checked their own. Not a single bar. They went inside and found the landline was dead, too. Storm must have knocked it out. Happens all the time, Dell said, even though he'd never had it go out. God damn it. Taylor stuffed his phone back into his pocket. I always gotta go at least ten feet from the house to make a call. God damn it. Taylor stuffed his phone back into his pocket. I always gotta go at least ten feet from the house to make a call. So go do it, Billy ordered. Fuck you, you go do it. Dell said, It won't do no good no how. Police won't do nothing. Why the hell not? Taylor shouted. There's a monster down there. Relax, Dell said. They won't bother you as long as you don't bother them. Just stay inside. Dell had no idea if this was true or not, but he'd heard it at the grocery store last week from two good old boys picking up a carton of chum. Absolutely, Martin said. We stay inside. And lock every door and window, Billy said. Dell smiled, enjoying that the oh-so-smart city boys were finally paying heed to what he said. Just to be safe, Dell said, and walked through the kitchen. Where are you going? Martin asked as a thunderclap shook the house. To my room? He could tell they were impressed by his couldn't-care-less attitude, and he wasn't about to blow it by telling them he was going for his Glock. If the stories were true, the lurker wouldn't go down easily. The good old boys said they'd seen one take three rounds in the chest and still get away. Dell paused to flip on the light before descending the staircase. He hurried down and headed for his room, disappointed at himself for being frightened. Nothing was in the house. The lurker could rummage around the river until it found a dog or a cat or some unfortunate creature, and then it would return to its home in the Canaton Caves. After entering his room and pulling his three fifty-seven out from under the mattress, Dell stretched out on his bed and waited. Listen to the raging storm. Twice he thought the loud bang outside his bedroom window might have been something other than thunder, but he reassured himself it was nothing but his nerves. Lurkers wouldn't try to get in a house, especially a locked one with four men inside. Dell studied the window, wondering if he should pull down the shade. He decided not to, figured he'd want to know if a monster was on the side of the glass. He wouldn't shoot it unless it attacked. But if it did, he was going to put a hole in that son of a bitch's head. Someone upstairs shouted. It sounded like Billy. A moment later, everyone yelled. Dell jumped off his bed and ran for the staircase. Bounding up the stairs two at a time, he reached the top and rushed through the kitchen, chambering around, afraid of what he would find on the balcony. Before he lost his nerve, he kicked open the door and took aim. He lowered the gun when he realized the three idiots were cheering. Billy held a bow. A quiver of arrows rested at his feet. He got him, Taylor shouted. He got that motherfucker. Right in the goddamned eye, Billy said with his voice full of giddy pride. Martin smiled and clapped Billy on the back. One heck of a shot, this guy. Another flash of lightning, 
Dell looked beyond the balcony and spotted the lurker lying flat on its back. The blue bolt of an arrow pointing toward the sky. He turned to the three men. Why? Why'd you do that? I told you to leave them be. He was coming for the house, Taylor said defensively. Dell didn't want to admit it, but the lurker was only fifteen yards from the house, its body illuminated by the light from the window of the back door. You still shouldn't have done that. Thunder rocked the house and the skies opened, doubling the deluge. A muddy stream lapped at the dead lurker's webbed foot. If the storm didn't let up, there'd be flooding in the house within minutes. Another one, Taylor shouted, pointing just beyond the slain creature. Dell followed the direction of Taylor's trembling hand, straining to see through the sheet of pounding rain. A shapeless yellow figure was emerging from the roaring river, extending an arm toward its dead brethren. Billy knocked an arrow and told Taylor to get out of his way. Taylor did, and Billy took aim. Before Billy could shoot, Dell grabbed hold of the arrow. Don't do it! Look at it! Billy yelled. His arms trembled as he tried to keep the bow taut. Let me shoot! With his hand on the arrow, half expecting it to fly and rip the skin off his palm, Dell glanced over the railing. The creature knelt in the muck next to its dead friend. It looked from the arrow to the balcony. Its expressionless eyes studied each of them. Then it lifted its head to the sky, and a horrifying howl pierced the night, louder than the pounding rain and thunder. God damn it, let me shoot it! Billy screamed, and Taylor and Martin both shouted for Dell to let go of the arrow. Although he held the gun and could call the shots if he desired, Dell wasn't ready for that responsibility. He'd been taught to leave the lurkers alone. But what if that was wrong? And they'd already shot one. This wasn't up to him anymore. They were all grown men. All he could do was tell them what he knew. A loud, sucking pop, like the top being pulled off a can of tuna, drew their attention down below. The lurker held the arrow in his hand, a slimy black mass trailing from the tip. The body from which the arrow had been pulled began to deflate, large pieces of its mottled skin sloughing off and dissolving in the rising water that had already reached its chest. Jesus fucking Christ, Taylor said, looking like he might lose the fruity contents in his stomach. Dell let go of the arrow and turned toward the kitchen. A loud twang sliced through the air, followed by a series of cheers and high fives. The weight of the gun was reassuring, but for the first time in his ten years of owning it, he wasn't comfortable with only fifteen rounds in the magazine. He wished to God he'd brought along his extra boxes of ammo that were collecting dust back home. Dell knew they probably wouldn't listen, but he shouted anyway. Everyone get inside! Only Billy responded, and it wasn't polite, so Dell continued toward his room. As he passed the fridge, Taylor yelled, There's another one! There, too! Martin shouted. Billy said, I see four of them. Lurkers weren't supposed to travel in packs, according to everything Dell had heard. 
Some even claimed there weren't but one or two that existed. Dell ran for the near wall and flipped the switches, turning on the floodlights. When he made it to the balcony, he counted six of the disgustingly strange beasts. They were sloshing through the river toward the dissolving heap of yellow by the back door. The other three were already on the driveway. The Escalade! Fuck no! Billy shrieked, knocking an arrow and taking aim. He released the arrow and it zipped past the nearest lurker and punctured the driver's door. They're too far away, Taylor said. Get the ones near the house. Martin agreed and told Billy to get the ones closest to the back door. Billy turned to Dell. I'll take care of these. Get the ones out there. A series of thuds came from the driveway. Though not appearing very solid, the lurkers packed a punch. In a matter of seconds, the Escalade was crumpled. That's a $75,000 vehicle, you motherfuckers, Billy cried and shot one straight through the neck. It's already ruined. You've got insurance, Taylor reminded him. Billy was out of arrows. Give me your gun, he said to Dell. Dell shook his head. The sound of smashing glass and crunching metal mixed with the roaring river. Come on, you pussy, Billy said. If you're not going to use the gun, give it to me. I'll shoot them if they come in the house. We don't need to piss them off any more than we already have. Another deafening howl tore through the night. Billy said, They're taunting us. Let them. Dell turned his back on the group. I suggest you guys get inside. Fuck you, Billy said, and started charging. Dell spun toward Billy and shoved the barrel of the three fifty seven at Billy's head. Come at me again, and I'll put a bullet between your eyes, you son of a bitch. Billy glared at Dell, but the Glock's barrel must have been too intimidating because he finally stepped back. Still aiming at Billy's forehead, tempted to pull the trigger, Dell said, Do what you want, but you're not touching this gun. Dell spotted a quiver in the corner. So did Billy, but he kept eye contact with Dell. I'm not scared of them. Not like you. Yeah. And I'm not drunk or stupid like you, Dell said. Billy brushed past Dell, grabbed an arrow, and ran for the front door. The guy was as dumb as anyone Dell had ever met. Once Dell heard the door open and close, he returned his attention to the back where the lurkers were still reducing the Escalade to a hunk of scrap metal. Hurry up, Dell, Taylor urged, peering over the railing. They're right below us. Back up and be quiet, both of you. From the look on Martin's face, it was obvious that Martin didn't like being told what to do. So Dell added, Trust me on this. Martin nodded and stepped away from the railing, just as a shrill twang came from the driveway. The lurker who'd been caving in the rear of the Cadillac fell to its knees, the blue tip of the arrow sticking out of the back of its head. Billy rushed onto the scene, grabbed a stray arrow off the ground. With the bow stretched to its limit and an arrow ready to fly, he swiveled towards the lurker on the passenger side and let the arrow loose. 
It missed its target and glanced off the demolished vehicle. Billy looked around for another arrow. With the unnatural speed of a tsunami, the lurkers hurtled toward Billy from the other side. Before he could do so much as scream, the lurkers were lying on top of him, one ripping through his stomach, throwing heaps of intestines over his shoulder, while one clamped its massive jaws on Billy's face and began tearing out chunks. Taylor was yelling something at Dell when an enormous crash shook the balcony. Dell glanced over the railing, but he didn't see any of the creatures, only the water lapping at the house. What in hell was that? Martin asked, his voice shaking worse than the balcony had. The door, I think. You think? Taylor yelled. Before Dell could tell him to back away, Taylor was on his hands and knees, his head between the posts of railing peering over the edge. Holy shit, they knocked down the goddamn door. They're inside. Come on, Dell said, as he watched the two lurkers in the driveway get up from their victim leaving an unrecognizable mess where Billy had been only a few moments before. Both of them staggered toward the Escalade, grabbed hold of the rear bumper, and heaved the SUV off into the brush. Dell felt a sense of helplessness at their inhuman strength. Taylor followed Dell's gaze in time to see the Escalade crash onto its roof, its momentum rolling it into the river. They're damning it. Martin's eyes grew wider. What do you mean, damn? Taylor, get away from the railing, Dell ordered. Both of you, follow me, come on. Suddenly, a purple tongue, the width of Dell's wrist, and God knew how long, shot through the air, wrapped around Taylor's neck, and started to pull him through the railing. Dell yelled for Martin to grab Taylor's feet as he ran to the railing and stuck the three fifty seven's barrel against the beast's tongue. Taylor gurgled as he tried to pull away from the tongue with the gun just inches from his face. Realizing he had to risk damaging Taylor's hearing in order to save his life, Dell pulled the trigger. The tongue blew apart, spattering the side of Taylor's face. Martin yanked Taylor back and helped him tear at the dissolving tissue still wrapped around his neck, clumps plopping on the ground. Dell held the kitchen door open for them. Inside, now! This time there was no hesitation. Martin brushed by Dell. Taylor cried out. He had been right behind Martin, but now he was reeling backward. One grotesque tongue gripping his left ankle, another latched onto his right bicep. Dell reached for Taylor's outstretched hand, but he wasn't fast enough. Dell heard a sickening snap as Taylor's lower back smashed into the railing the agony on his face indicating that it was his back that had broken, not the wooden railing. Martin stayed pressed against the wall at the back of the balcony as Dell ran to the railing, aiming with his right hand trying to pull Taylor back with his left. There were five lurkers below, two were yanking with their tongues, while the others waited patiently. The lurkers were using Taylor to help pull themselves up. Just as Dell was about to fire at one latched onto Taylor's ankle, the creature next to it let its own tongue fly. Dell swiveled and fired two rounds, both bullets striking the lurker's spongy forehead. At the same instant, the meaty tongue slapped Dell's forearm and then fell to the floor. Dell turned back to his original target and fired two more rounds. The creature fell backward, losing its control on Taylor's leg. 
neither Dell nor Taylor was prepared for the sudden release of tension. Taylor fell forward, his face bouncing off the floor. Dell lost his grip, and Taylor was whipped off the balcony. His scream silenced abruptly when he splashed into the rising water below. Pulling the trigger as fast as he could, Dell killed the lurker that had pulled Taylor down, as well as the one whose teeth were buried in Taylor's neck. But before he could shoot the third, an explosion rocked the house. The indoor lights went out all at once, leaving the floodlights as the only thing between them and complete darkness. The black seemed to amplify the smacking, slurping, and snarling down below. Dell backed away from the railing until he bumped into Martin, shaking against the door. He stepped back into the pitch-black kitchen, bringing Martin with him and closing the door behind them. I don't want to be here. The circuit breaker is down there. They took it out. We need to go away from here. Dell was just as scared as Martin, but he didn't like hearing the panic in his boss's voice. You want to try running out the front door? I don't. My Porsche? It's in the garage. Dell looked around at the dark room, unable to see past the kitchen's center island. Even if the lurkers haven't gotten into the garage, the water sure as hell has. The car probably won't start. We try. Dell waited for a crash of thunder to finish before he told Martin to go right ahead and try to reach his car. We stick together? Yeah, Dell said. He sniffed the air. Something was burning. So we go to the garage? I didn't say that. Okay. I'll take the gun. Hell no, Dell said, having a difficult time hearing anything over the pounding rain. Martin held out his hand. Dell, give me the gun. I'm going upstairs. You can follow me if you want. Martin grabbed his arm. Hand over gun and I'll give you a raise. Dell shook his head at the man's absurdity. Find the flashlight. It's in one of those drawers by the sink. And hurry up, Dell said, aiming the three fifty-seven at the kitchen doorway, even though he could barely see past the tip of his gun's fluorescent front sight. Martin opened a drawer. I double your pay. Shut up, Dell said. He listened. He thought he heard footsteps. A wave of smoke washed over him, stinging his eyes. Hurry up. I think it's the one closest to me. One drawer slid shut and another opened. Here it is, Martin said as he clicked the light on. Dell's heart caught in his throat as the lurker's bloated face appeared less than two yards in front of him. He pulled the trigger three times, erasing its twisted smile. Martin gasped and the flashlight clattered to the floor, its beam shooting past Dell's feet. He spun toward Martin, taking aim at the lurker holding his boss. The monster's arm covered the man's entire face. Before Dell could get off a shot, he heard the sound of a tongue being launched from the far corner. Dell ducked, crawled around the island. A cabinet door shattered. Dell fired three rounds where he thought the lurker was. It sounded as if two bodies fell to the floor. One was definitely Martin. Dell heard his gurgled plea for help. Aware that there was at least one more lurker in the room, Dell bent over and picked up the flashlight. He brought it up and spun in a circle. A gang of yellow creatures surrounded him.
and a dozen yellow-black eyes glistened in the dim light. Dell had three rounds left in the Glock. Not enough to kill them all.